Amen, amen. Cathedral of Faith, Happy New Year. Now, I don't know how it's been for you last year, but what I do know is His mercies are new every morning, amen? His mercies are new today, this week, this month, and this whole year. So with that newness, let's sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise His name, proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together. Let's get ready to worship King of kings, Lord of lords. Come on, Cathedral of Faith. I was lost with a broken heart You picked me up, now I'm set apart From the ash I am born again Forever free in the Savior's hands You are more than my words can say I'll follow you from for all my days And fix my eyes following your ways Forever free in a handy rain you are, you are, you are my freedom. We lift you higher, lift you higher. Your love, your love, and your love never ending. Oh, oh, oh. Come on. You are alive in us. Nothing can take your place. You are all we need. Your love has set us free. Whoa.
morning, welcome everyone to the Cathedral of Faith where everyone is welcome, nobody's perfect, and where the love is lived out and absolutely anything and everything is. Because we serve a God who is not dead, but He's alive and well. Amen? So I want to take this moment to invite the ushers to come forward as we prepare for communion. And as you receive the elements, hold them in your hands. Please remain standing. And in a few moments, Pastor Ken will lead us in a meaningful moment. bound and drenched in tears his body bound and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by heavy stone Messiah still and all alone Praise the name together. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord our God. Lord, that is our pride and our prayer this year that our gaze will be transfixed on your face, God. We will set our eyes upon you. We will turn our eyes upon you, oh God. Let us run after you. 
This is the year the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God is good and all the time. It's so good to be together. I can think of no better way to kick off this new year than to come to the Lord's table and to receive Holy Communion. So wherever you're at, on campus, if you're in the building outside in the amphitheater or in the parking lot in your car, those who are watching online, our online community, those at different campuses around the Bay, we are so glad that you've set this time aside to come and meet in this moment and to invite the love and grace and mercy of God, the newness of God. Jesus said, behold, I am making all things new all things where do you need newness in your life do you need new mercy today new favor in your life new freedom in your life new breakthrough in your life new victory in your life Jesus is making all things new Jesus thank you for inviting us to your table today and as we eat and drink of the bread and the cup we receive in faith the new thing that you have for us in this year let's eat of the bread of Christ thank you Lord and now let's drink of the cup of Christ and drink in the newness that can be yours in 2023. Now I invite you to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. It's the most important prayer we'll ever learn to pray, the Our Father. And what a great time to pray it as we start off this new year. Would you say it with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and forever and forever and forever. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Oh my. It is great to see everybody. So glad that you're here. And I'm ready to receive what God has for me in this new year. And if you're ready to receive the newness that God has for you, would you just say that with me? I'm ready. Say it with me. Let's say it again. I'm, let's say it one more time. I'm ready. Make that faith declaration in your spirit. Amen. In fact, let's just affirm that faith declaration to somebody else before you're seated. Look at it and tell them, I'm ready. Go ahead and do that. I'm ready. Well, good morning, church. Right in the middle of the book of Lamentations, and as you can guess, Lamentations is about lamenting, crying, mourning, grieving over what's been lost. Right in the middle of the middle chapter, the middle verses of Lamentations, it says this. God, great is your faithfulness. Every morning, new mercies I see. So happy new year, happy new you, and happy new mercies. Amen, receive them. You know, God put that desire for newness inside of us. We can sometimes waste it on external things. I mean, it's great to have new books and new adventures and new vacation spots and new restaurants and new adventures. That's all great. But God put in us a desire for something new because that's how he created us. That's why we have New Jersey and New York and New Zealand. People wanted something new. And here's what God has. He wants you to walk in newness in this year to come. That means new choices new commitments, new opportunities. And I just wanna give thanks to the Lord because his faithfulness is great and he has new mercies for you today, amen? Let's give him thanks and praise for that. Well, welcome whether you're online or on campus. We are excited about what God's doing. I wanna take a few moments to celebrate God's faithfulness through you in this past month. You'll notice on the screens that first of all, we put together over 100,000 meals we were able to put these meals together so that we could bless people, and I think there's B-roll coming. We were able to send them to Ukraine and bless families who are struggling right now. Thank you for your generosity of time and energy to be there and be a blessing. We were also able to give out toys to hundreds and hundreds of children in our community who had never had Christmas, but thanks to your generosity of giving, of working and serving, we were able to bless many kids in our community. And in addition to that, our annual celebration of love, where thousands of families receive food because you served, you gave, you blessed. What a great opportunity we've had that we know at Cathedral, we've been blessed to be a blessing. And you live that out so beautifully as we closed out the year, serving people, making a difference. The millions of dollars that God's been able to flow through this place to be a blessing and the hundreds of you who showed up, thank you, thank you, thank you. We serve a generous God and because God is generous, you too have been and generous, and let's just give him thanks and praise for that generosity. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, if you want to walk in newness, it just doesn't happen because the calendar flips. 
It means new choices, new commitments. In the next couple of weeks, you're gonna see all the ways that we have for you to connect with others, to grow in your faith, to serve others. This Connect, Grow, Serve season will give you opportunities to make those new commitments. One of them coming up on January 14th is our Love and Marriage Breakfast Fellowship. We invite all married couples, all engaged couples, couples who think they might get married sometime, come out and join us for a great time of fellowship and encouragement and blessing, as well as enjoying a great breakfast. We encourage you to put that on your calendar so you can be part of this great time. So many commitment opportunities coming up. We pray as you make those choices, God will bless you. Well again, we serve a generous God and you get to demonstrate your generosity through a variety of ways. You can go to our app, you can go online, you can text the number on the screen. Our ushers have envelopes if you wanna take one and leave it with them at the end of service. Those of you watching online, you can write out a check and mail it to us or drop it by. This is how you let the generosity of God flow through you. New mercies, new grace, new blessing, new days. God is good, amen? Well, coming to minister to us and prepare us for Dr. Silvoso, who's coming to speak this morning, our very own church family member, Robert Butler, is going to talk about a new dawn and a new day. May it increase your faith as he comes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky. You know how I feel Breeze drifting over You know how I feel It's a new dawn It's a new day It's a new life for me And I'm feeling
for me so I can have a right to the tree of life. Hallelujah. That's why I feel good. Jesus, touch my soul. You know how I Stand with me, please. Would you let Robert know how much you appreciate him blessing us with that song? Boy, prepping our hearts for the new thing that God has in store for us. And, and Robert and his family, one thing I love about Cathedral is it, it's multi-generational. And that Robert and his family have been a part of the church for many, many years. Just really special people and now their daughters and grandkids and earlier he was singing on the worship team along with his daughter who's singing on the worship team how great is that boy faith being handed down from one generation to another and Robert is so gracious uh, he he reached out and so he's got music in the back and if you want to pick up music like this that'll bless your your soul will lift up your spirit. You can pick it up, it's free. Everything is free. And so he'll be in the back after service. Thank you, Robert. Love you, buddy. Wow. Read it, why don't you be blessed with that? Amen. Wow, I am so excited. I've heard the message once already, so I know what's coming. And. I, want, I hope you are ready. I'm ready. Say that with me. I'm ready. Open up your heart. Put yourself in position to receive because we have with us, boy, a very special leader in the kingdom. I mean, God uses Dr. Ed Savoso all around the world to cast vision and to help transform communities and cities. Uh, he's been a great evangelist for so many years. And, and so not only am I grateful for all he's doing around the world, but for the Foreman family, he's been a true friend, him and his wife, Ruth, to the Foreman family, to my dad, and now to my wife and I. And he's been a part of casting vision for our church family through the years, since the 90s. He's really helped to 
uh, shape the direction that our church has gone. And I'm so grateful to have him here as we start off our 58th year at Cathedral of Faith. I would rather have nobody speak in this pulpit today than the man you're gonna hear speak. Would you give a great big welcome back home to Cathedral of Faith, Dr. Ed Silvoso. Amen, amen. Folks, uh, in Pastor Ken, a great pastor. Let's give him a big hand. We love you, we love you, we love you. Folks, uh, remain standing. Um, God is gonna bless you beyond anything you imagine. You know, usually when it comes to the message, we wait for the end, you know, and the impartation. But actually, God wants to give you two, one at the beginning and one at the end, because he's a generous God. And actually, uh, I want to invite my best friend, my personal intercessor, the love of my life for 62 years, okay? Mother of four daughters, mother-in-law, she's one of the most popular mothers-in-law I know, and grandma of 12. And we want to pray a prayer of blessing to come upon you today. You see, the subject today is New Year, New Anointing. What is anointing? Anointing is the breath of God. Remember when God created Adam, at first he was dead matter. He looked like a man, but he was dead. He was just clay. Until God blew into the nostrils and the dead matter came alive. And that's what God is gonna do right now. He's gonna blow in your soul. He's gonna bless you. He will renew everything that is old. He will give you a new anointing. And that's what we want to pray for. You may say, well, Pastor Ed, you don't know how tough my week was, my year. I don't feel it. Don't worry. We have the anointing. The Spirit of the Lord is here. He will touch you. Amen? So if you're willing and ready, hold hands with the people next to you out there on the campus. Do the same thing. If you are driving, don't do it, okay, at home. And pray this prayer with Ruth and I. And we're going to receive an anointing. Picture God ready to blow into your soul where all the cobwebs of insecurity and fear and strongholds, they will disappear in the name of the Lord. So pray with me and put some Tabasco sauce on your voice and say, Father God, let it be known in heaven and on earth that here now, today, on the first day of the year, we are gathered in the name that is above all name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Every demon must bow. The flesh must submit. And in the name of Jesus, we submit to you. We receive your anointing. And in the name of Jesus, we oppose the devil. And all the demons that have come against us. And in the name of Jesus, we command them, be gone 
right now in Jesus' name. Father God, renew my mind. Bless my body. Bless my home. Bless my family in Jesus' name. Bless the person on my right. Bless the one on my left. Touch them. Bless them. Heal them. Deliver them. Prosper them. Let your kingdom come. And we declare, this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice. We will receive new anointing. We will overcome. In Jesus' name, amen. And now give a big shout and a big hand. Big hand. Come on, bigger than that. Amen. <clears throat> and before you sit down, look at somebody in the eye and tell that person, I love you and there is nothing you can do about it. Come on. You know, the, the message that I have is new year, new anointing. And if I have to summarize it in one phrase, is this. I want you to love Mondays as much as you love Sundays. That when the, when the wake up call comes tomorrow, you say, praise God is Monday. And I'm praying that the anointing of God will come upon you. And if you like what I have to say, you will tell your friends, you know, today we have a cool preacher. He had an accent, but he sounded like Antonio Balderas, you know, cool guy. <laughs> if you don't like it, you will tell them this old guy came and he sounded like Henry Kissinger, you know. But I'll tell you what, uh, being here with Pastor Ken and Pastor Wayne and the team, this is family. I mean, that's the beauty. That's why you should never neglect, you know, coming to church and being part of a fellowship. Now, the subject is not what do you do on Sundays. I mean, we come here to have a feast. What happens on Monday, you know? What happens this afternoon when the service is over, you know? And I want to impress on you a biblical truth. And the biblical truth is that you are God's workmanship. And I want you to read this verse with me and don't forget the Tabasco sauce, okay? Look at this. Let's read it on the screen. One, two, three. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we will walk in them. Keep looking at the screen because faith comes by hearing or reading what? The word of God. And what is God saying to you? You are my workmanship. I made you, but I didn't park it there. I upgraded you to first class. You are created in Christ Jesus. Not only that, unto good works which means that God has a plan for your life and it will be a victorious plan. Do you realize that God prepares something for you not to fail and now comes so that you will walk in them? Keep looking at the screen for a moment. This is like a recipe book, you know. My wife Ruth wrote this book 
and he tried to get food, family, and fun. She was so clever, you know. People read my books, and I don't know what they do afterwards. But when they get one of Ruth's books, they have it there, you know, on display. And it has 80 recipes, and it teaches the family that eats together, remains together, and so forth. If there were a recipe, that verse, look at the screen. It's three cups of God and one cup of you. So that God is doing all the heavy lifting. He says, I created you, but I didn't stop there. When you receive Christ, I give you a new nature, and now I have prepared you unto good works. I chose this verse because I know that Pastor Ken told me he will be doing a series on identity and then on discipleship, and we need to deal with the subject, who does God say that you are? Not what your parents say, not what your ancestors, not what the world tells you. What does God say that you are? And I chose this verse because I came to the Lord on November the 8th, 1950, November the 14th, 1958 at 7 p.m. I have walked into a storefront church and there was what we call now a marketplace minister. I mean, it was a businessman that have come to the Lord and he picked this book with black cover. I have never seen it. And he opened it to John 3.16. And my God melted because all I heard is that God will judge you. God will punish you. You are bad. You're going to burn in hell, right? But he read John 3.16, for God so loved. I never heard that. That's the gospel. That's good news. And he gave the very best so that I will not be lost. And then he switched to Isaiah 53. He took everything upon himself. And I said, I'm in. I'm in. This is the deal I don't want to miss. So that night I received Jesus. And then I took my savings. I was a teenager, 13 years old. And I bought myself a pocket New Testament. And I devoured the New Testament in breaks and school, going to work because I have been working since I was seven years old. And, uh, and so I was reading until I came to Ephesians 2.10. And that became my second most favorite verse. First, because he says, Ed, you are not an accident of nature. I created you. The shape of your body, the color of your eyes, your birth order, very important. I mean, the talents that you have. Don't underestimate my workmanship. You know, it's like David. David in Psalm 139 was having a bad day. He said, where can I flee from your presence, you know? Until he gets to the point, I am wonderfully made. Look at that. God has made an incredible work in you. And it's very important that you realize that because you can only love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, you're going to be a sour pickle. You're always looking fault in people. If you love yourself, now don't park it there because then it becomes narcissism. You know, but celebrate who you are and say, I must be good because God gave the very best for me. And I suggest you do an exercise I do very often in the morning. Get up, look at yourself in the mirror, and say, God, congratulations. You have done a great job. 
I'm not finished yet, but keep working at it, you know? I want you to receive that because the devil has been accusing you of every evil thing you ever did, and I say to you, you are God's workmanship. But not only that, you're not alone. Greater is he who is in you. Look what the way to begin the year. Like Pastor Wayne said, new things, new beginning, new anointing, new breath coming into your life. And when we understand that, and what caught my eye was that God has a plan for my life. And I said, Lord, you already picked my wife. I don't know who she is, but she must be someplace and when I look at Ruth, I say, God, you have good taste. <laughs> you have good taste, you know? I mean, and I, she, she was the inspiration for my book, Women, God's Secret Weapon, you know? Because we men need women, you see? God created Adam, looked at him and says, it's no good. <laughs> That's what he says. But then he created Eve. And he said, That's very, very good. Because women are twice refined. I mean, you look at the bread by master, he's a handsome guy. But you look at Dr. Angie, she's much prettier than him. Why? <laughs> because she was created, you know, out of good material. And so when I caught that verse, I said, okay, Lord, you have a plan for my life, but I have a problem. Pastor Ken was very honoring in saying we have a worldwide ministry. We lead about 17,000 influencers who lead probably a couple million people. We have teams in every continent. But the very beginning was very humbling, humble and very humbling because I knew that I was to be an evangelist. But I was shy, pathologically shy. Okay, I couldn't talk to people, you know, like some people do. I have one of my sons in law, Carl, who is here. He can talk to a stop sign and make a dance, you know. <laughs> I, I, I get tongue-tied, you know. And here I am. I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus, and I, I am so shy. To talk to my father, I practice in front of the bathroom mirror. Hello, Daddy. Hello, son. Can I talk to you? Yes, of course. And I came out of the bathroom. <laughs> My dad didn't follow the script. I froze and I ran back into the bathroom. But my dilemma came because every day I rode the bus with about 20 people who didn't know the Lord, and I felt terribly guilty that I have the answer to their problem and I couldn't open my mouth. Have you felt that way sometimes, you know? And I remember one day having a nightmare that I was approaching the judgment seat of Christ. And as I was going there, a bunch of people in hell were shouting, that guy rode on the bus with me and never told me. Until I came to the verse I'm quoting today. And I say, Lord, you made me. I'm your workmanship. You upgraded me to first class. I'm created in Christ Jesus. You have a plan. What must I do? Begin to walk in it. The first step will not get you to destination, but it will get you unstuck. So I said, Lord, I don't have faith to preach, but what can I do? And I said, well, I can look at the person kind of very quickly because I'm shy. I'll make a mental picture, and for 20 minutes, I will pray. 
And I began to do that. Oh, God, send somebody more courageous. Get somebody to preach the gospel to this guy. But you see, God gives you a measure of faith. And at first, it's very small. But when you use it, faith without works is dead, right? When you use it, you activate it, right? He gives you a bigger one. After doing that for a week, I said, maybe I can bring a gospel track and I sneak it behind my back. And when I get up, the guy would see it. So the next day, like a jihadist, you know, carried a bomb, you know. I board the bus, and I begin to sneak the gospel track. And when I get, I take off like a rocket. And I said, I'm passing out tracks. That was an exaggeration, okay? I was running away from that track. But it was more than just look at the person and try to pray. After I did that for a while, I said, you know what? Instead of doing this, I can give it in hand as I'm getting up. If they have a question, I say, sorry, I need to get off. And I did it. You see, my faith was growing. After a while of doing that, I said, what if I do it one bus stop before my bus stop? And then I, if they have a question, I say, sorry. And I did it. And then I began to count two bus stops, three bus stops, five bus stops, until the day came when I was able to get on the bus and give the gospel tract to the person. I said, sir, if you have any questions, I'm here next to you. I began to walk in those steps, and my faith grew. And then in 2004, my dear friend, our dear friend, Graham Power, organized a continent-wide prayer meeting in Africa. 53 continents, I mean, 2,000 stadiums, 22 million people, I mean, in several languages. And I was a speaker from the stadium that was packed to the rafters. And as I'm approaching the platform, I felt a little bit insecure. And I prayed that that will never go away. You have to feel insecure, so you lean on the Lord. But here I'll be addressing an entire continent, right? I mean, 22 million people, like later on, were there. And I said, Lord, how can I do it? He said, it's not you that, it's my breath in you. It's my anointing. It's not different than the day you got on that bus and you began the journey. And I did, and by the grace of God, today we are invested all over Africa with incredible testimonies of transformation to God give the, give the glory. But it began there because without God, you can't. But without you, he won't. And that's why in that context, I want to highlight something that will give you faith and hope. And it's Gideon. Remember Gideon in the Bible? The guy that with 300 desperados, you know, took care of 135,000. The story is in Judge chapter 6. And there are three things I want to highlight. Number one, God has a better opinion of you than the one you have of yourself. When it comes to faith, it doesn't matter how much faith you have in God. What really matters is how much faith God has in you. God says, I believe in you. 
I mean, Gideon was not leading an army. Gideon was hiding wheat to go and hide in a cave from where he will watch the enemies of God's people destroy everything they worked for a year. And that's the way we feel sometimes. We work very hard and things don't work out. And God sends an angel who tells Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. Mighty warrior, that sounds like a joke. The guy's preparing to flee, not to fight. He's that mighty. How? But God doesn't lie. Why did he say that? And listen and receive this. The devil defines you by your failures. God defines you by the victories ahead of you. This year is going to be different. This year you have to get going. I mean, those giants will come down. God has a better opinion of you than the one you have of yourself. And then God says, on this your strength, which sounds like another joke, because Gideon is like a car that ran out of gas a block away and is running on fumes. And God says, on this your strength, go and set the people free. But what God wants is to get Gideon from looking at his own failures and have to depend on God for something mighty. And he says, I want you to go and destroy the altars that your father built. Destroy the altar to Baal and the altar to Asherah, which is made out of wood, and use the wood and the stone to build an altar for me. And by the way, I want you to offer the two bulls that your father has. And the Bible says that because he was afraid, he did it by night, but he did it. And I say to you, fear and doubt do not disqualify you if you're courageous enough to push through that. Everything we see on this campus didn't rain from heaven. There were moments of doubts and fears and setbacks. But today's setback becomes tomorrow set up. Your mess today will be your message tomorrow. And so he does that in fear and trembling. The next morning, the elders are ready to... Having killed, but he did. Wait until his father, who is the priest, will hear. And they tell the father, and the father tells the people, Oh, it seems that Baal has a problem with my boy. Okay, have Baal take it up with him. God will develop, will cause the people in your sphere of influence to develop a better opinion of you than the one you are afraid. Don't be afraid to sound the trumpet, you know, for transformation to come to our valley. Get out of the boat, walk on water, you will sink. But when you sink, the Lord will pick you up and you get two kudos. One, you walk on water, two, Jesus was your, the one who saved you. No one else did it. But it doesn't stop there. After he did it, God says, I have delivered your enemies into your hands. That's 135,000 people. But if you are not sure, <laughs> go to the enemy's camp and you will find it. And this is the other principle. If you want to see the power of God, get in a situation where that power of God is the only thing that can save you. And God said, but if you are afraid, take your servant Pura with you. And Gideon is afraid, 
but he's obedient. And I want you to press on through your doubts and your fears. Listen to your pastor who are declaring, it's a new day, it's a new anointing, it's a new day. You will expand beyond anything imaginable. Gideon never dreamed that he will defeat the, anima, the, the enemies. Now, his life expectancy, naturally speaking, was about six seconds. Because there were 135,000 Amalekites ready to turn him into pepperoni slices. So God says, but if you're afraid, take Pura. That raised his life expectancy to six seconds. But he did it. He goes there. And what does he hear? This guy's talking. I saw a vision of a loaf of barley bread. I mean, it's the cheapest bread you can get that hit the main post on our tent and flip it over. What do you think it means? And Gideon is hearing, listening. And the other guy says, oh, that is no other than Gideon in whose hands we have been delivered. And this is the third point. Not only God has a better opinion of you than the one you have for yourself, not only God will cause the people working with you under whom you serve develop a better opinion, but when you go to the enemy's camp, God will cause your enemy to develop a better opinion of you than the one you have of yourself. I mean, Silicon Valley is the heart of America. The Bay Area is the heart of California. God says, I want to change the Bay Area, but you have to begin. And where do you begin? First of all, you have to be transformed. No one can give what they don't have. Believe today that God is choosing you. There was a moment, I'm sure, in Pastor Ken's life when he had to say yes to God to pick up the mountain from no other one than Pastor Kenny. And I'm sure you have your doubts and your questions as I have them in my own journey, but he was obedient. The first step will not get you to destination, but will get you going. So be transformed. And the things, next thing you do, transform your home. Ruth and I, I, wrote, I mean, I wrote this book called Ecclesia, where I show that we must be faithful to our weekly gathering. We must be under the covering, the anointing, the instruction of our pastors. And when we come here, we have a great time. But when the service is over, what is over is the church meeting but not the church. You are the church. You are the ecclesia. Wherever you go, you take the power and the presence of God. The word for church in the Greek New Testament is ecclesia. Ecclesia means assembly. An assembly has power, and an assembly needs a quorum. And Jesus chose a very low quorum. He says, if two of you get together, I will show up, and I will teach you. And I will show you how to bind, how to release, how to pray prayers that the Father will answer. And so Ruth and I took that to heart, and we went to Revelation 3.20. Remember that verse? I'm standing at the door, and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in, and I will have dinner with you. I'm an evangelist. I have used that extensively. Ruth Brother, who went to heaven last year. Luis Palau, another evangelist. Juan Carlos Ortiz, another evangelist. What do you think we have for breakfast, you know? When we get together, how can we get people to receive Christ? 
And time and again, I use that verse after I preach, and I say, and the Lord is standing at the door of your heart, and he knocks. And for effect, I went, if you hear his voice, open your heart, and he will come in. And that is a good application, but it's a terrible exegesis, worse hermeneutics, because Jesus is not talking about the door of the human heart. He's talking about a building that believers went in, and they never invited him to come in. And she said, that's why you're cold, you are poor, you are blind, because you didn't invite me. And so often the meeting is over, and we go to work on Monday, and we never invited the Lord to come into, to work with us. We don't realize that we are mobile arts of the covenant. That's where you go. The presence of God goes. So Ruth took that literally, and we went and opened the front door, and we said, Jesus, we welcome you. He was already in our hearts. We have been in ministry for over 60 years, but I've learned the basic lesson, right? Come into, and then we enthrone him, and we worship him, and we say, this is your home. It's no longer our home. Our home became a temple, the way this building is a temple. And now we have breakfast with Jesus, lunch with Jesus, tea time with Jesus, dinner with Jesus. It's, it's incredible, the presence of the Lord. And during the pandemic, that people couldn't come in. You know, we, we have repairmen come because they allow those. And we go for repairmen. One came for the dishwasher, another for the furnace, another for the garage door, and the other one I don't remember. None of them believers when they came in. And the first one told us, what is it here? Whatever it is, I want it. That's like you going fishing, and before you throw the line, the biggest fish jumps in the boat, kisses you on both cheeks, and asks you for direction to the frying pan. <laughs> why, why not? Because when you preach the gospel of the kingdom, people want in. Another guy was working in the garage, and he got the hold of my book, Anointed for Business, and she says, and she's not a church-going guy, but she said, I'm about to get married, and I want to have a happy marriage. Can you help me? I mean, I didn't tell him I'm a pastor. I mean, the guy is coming to me. Why, why not? You are the church. You carry the presence of Jesus. You may be in a very ungodly environment on Monday morning, but you are like the Ark of the Covenant that the Philistines took captive, and it changed the field of the people that took the Ark of the Covenant captive, and they put it in the temple of Dagon, and the next morning Dagon was down, and the morning after that, Dagon was defeated. I say to you, you are the church. Your pastors are sending you out, wherever you go. Take the power, the presence of the God, of God. And then recently, about two and a half months ago, we have major work that have to be done. And so the night before, we prayer walked the garage where the work was going to happen. We prayer walked the driveway, and we say, oh, Jesus, you love sinners. Send us good sinners so that they will meet you. And we established the presence of Jesus. The next morning, a group pulls up. Half of them are Muslims. The other half are agnostics. 
And, and we say, they're gonna fall for it. Jesus is here. As they begin to unload, one guy speaks in Farsi to me with a translator. And she said, what is he saying? He's saying that you are a holy man and he wants you to bless him. Why, why not? Why not? That's what Jesus did. He said, the work that I do, you will do them, and even greater. So I was able to pray for him, pray for the other companion. When he was done, he says, pastor, by now I'm pastor, <laughs> I'm going to pull the switch, and when I pull the switch, I'm going to pull it in the name of God. And before the day was over, the entire crew have come into the kingdom. Why? Because you are the ecclesia. Wherever you go, let the Lord speak to you. The school that you go to, the clinic where you work, the business. I mean, it doesn't matter that your boss is not a believer. Daniel, Joseph, Esther, they all received divine revelation to fix a problem for a boss who was an idol worshiper because they have the revelation of God. So let the Lord speak to you now and take it to the workplace. You know, one story that I tell in the book are two local ones. I mean, you already have a fantastic testimony with the bymasters and healing grow. That is an ecclesia disguised as a medical clinic. You go there, they offer prayer, they bless you financially. I mean, thousands of people are coming into the kingdom because people understood, you know, I'm coming to church on Sunday. I'm faithful to my leader. I support the church, but I go out as a minister in the marketplace. One story is up here in Vallejo. Michael Brown, he came to a seminar where I'm teaching anointed for business. And he realizes I'll never be a pastor because I'm not called, but I can be a pastor to my company. He dedicated the company to the Lord. And God began to prosper. He anointed every bus. They move a million kids a year with oil. Anointed every driver as a pastor. Adopted the schools that needed help. And the company grew from $2 million over a period of 15 years to $25 million. And it changed in Vallejo. Why? Why not? Because you are the church. You are the ecclesia. And he's doing that hand in hand with his pastor. I mean, the pastor is so delighted that he has somebody like that. And I close with this example. We were in Asia, in a country where there is no freedom to preach the gospel. But a young girl says, I am God's workmanship. I am created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And I want to see this development transform. That was the developed like Silver Creek Country Road. I mean, upper class, 5,000 plus homes. But she was a lady in a country that looks down on women. She said, I will never have authority, even though my father, who is not a believer, is the owner. But what do I have in my hand? What is the first step I can take? Similar to the question I asked. What can I do? And she was in charge of the golf courses. And in those days, and in that country, a big problem are snakes. So that they spend a lot of money paying snake catchers. 
which are kind of mystic guys. Some of them are even demonized, you know, and they know what the snakes are and they find them and then they charge you by the head. She said, this is not a golf course, this is my parish. Everybody swinging a golf club now is a member of my ecclesia, even though they don't know it. And she went and she anointed every hole with oil. And she prayer walk every, every link. And she said, let the presence of Jesus be here with his boyfriend and dedicated the place. At the end of the year, the father is looking at the finances. And, and the expenditure for the snake catcher was almost zero. She said, what happened? So he calls her and she tells him, oh, daddy, I invited Jesus into the golf course. He's there. No snakes are allowed. The father became a Christian. The development was dedicated to the Lord. She married her boyfriend, who today is the CEO of that development, and they are ministering to over a million Muslims. Why? Why not? You are God's workmanship. You are created in Christ Jesus. Look at what you have in your hand. So number one, be transformed. Believe that you are going to do mighty works. Don't let the devil define you by the past. Believe God. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Not things you got. Things you hope you will get. You be I believe that San Jose will be transformed. Have I seen it? No. But do I believe it? Yes. And God will lead me and lead us to the right people to do it. Number one, be transformed. Number two, dedicate your home to the Lord. When you go home, don't rush in. Stop there, open the door, invite Jesus, worship him the way we did here until you feel his presence. And then if you have unbelievers, do what Ruth teaches in his other masterful book, Faith Building Stories. Cook under the anointing. The Bible says that the unbelieving spouse is sanctified by being in fellowship with the believing spouse. What does that mean? That whoever is not a believer in your family will come in touch with you. So chop the onions in the name of the Lord. Fry the hamburger in holy oil. Bring it to the table with joy. Don't tell them that it's blessed food. But the moment they have, they're going to have a power encounter. Why, why not? Jesus' garment healed people. Paul's garments healed people. And if you think that is strange, Peter's shadow healed people. Not because of the shadow, not because of Peter, but because of the anointing. Now the Lord is hovering over you. The spirit of the Lord is over you. He says, I want to come in. I want to overpower your doubts, your fears. You say, but Ed, it's so difficult. It's worse than difficult. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I mean, for that insecurity in Asia, to address an entire continent, 22 million. I mean, it took God to do it. So the angel, if you think your assignment is difficult and be ready to receive now, think about Mary. Mary was a teenager, probably 15. An angel comes and says, I have a message for you from God. Oh, good, what is it? He wants to have a child with you. What? Yeah. You will be the, father, the mother of the savior of the world. 
And Mary says, but uh, how can that be? I'm a single person. I don't know anybody. And she was daring enough to ask the question because her uncle, Zachariah, John the Baptist's father, asked a question six months before, and the angel gave him the shut up and sit down anointing. She says, come on, that question is a stupid one. You will not talk again. Now, what's the difference between Zachariah's question and Mary's question? Mary was very practical. How can that be? Zachariah says, how can I be sure? Doubts are okay. Unbelief is not okay. Let the Holy Spirit touch you. Because what was the answer of the angel? He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And he will overpower you, implying your fears, your insecurities, the sin that you're addicted to. He will overpower you and he will deposit a seed in you that eventually will become holy unto the Lord. When I made that decision by the river in San Nicolás, Argentina, and I said, Lord, I don't know how I can be an evangelist, but I want you to overpower me. He put the seed in my soul that is giving fruit, and this is what he wants to do now. So if you are ready to receive that anointing, whether here, outside, in the car, where you are, stand up where you are, both hands up like a soldier, okay, surrendering, and say with me, Father God, I surrender all. Overpower me. It's a new year. I need a new anointing. Breathe upon me, oh God. Fill me with your presence. I receive it, oh Lord. I receive the seed in Jesus' name. And I become pregnant with something new, in Jesus' name. And now take your hands and put them on your chest and say, I have received it. Tell the one next to you, you have received it. Prophesy, you have received it. And now this is what you do. When you go home, you open the door, you invite Jesus, anoint the door with oil, that's what Ruth and I did, and throw him there. And when you go to work, take him to work. And you will come to love Mondays as much as you love Sundays. God bless you. I'll be by the book table if you would like us to sign the books for you. Would you let Dr. Savoso let him know how much you appreciate what a powerful, powerful word to start off the new year. Well, I receive it. I receive it. Declare it with me. I receive it. Oh, Dr. Savoso, thank you so much. He will be in the back signing books. So go by, say hello to him and Ruth and some of the other families here with us. It's just so great to, to be together. And I'm going to do that. I, I'm going to do it. When I get home, my wife and I, we're going to go to the door and we're going to dedicate that home to Jesus. We're going to open the door and say, Jesus, you're welcome here. Right before I watch the 49ers crush my Raiders, that's what we're going to do today. I know it's coming. I'm sorry. Oh, boy. Anyway, but it's going to, yeah, but we're going to do that. And, and you watch. I mean, I'm, I'm believing we're going to have testimonies at the end of this year. And 
it started right here on the first day. Amen? I'm believing that. I am. Thanks again for being here. Our team will be down here to pray with you and for you at the end of service. I love you, Cathedral family. You ready for a great year? Amen. Let me speak God's blessing on you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. May you know who you are. You are God's workmanship. You are created in Christ Jesus. God has good work for you to do this year. And you are the church. Wherever you go, he is with you. He is for you. Own that, believe it, declare it in Jesus' name for Jesus' glory. And all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you as you go, Cathedral.